Welcome to Fried, the burnout podcast. Fried is the podcast for everyone who has ever felt burnout because of their job, relationship, or life. Kate Donovan, burnout expert, will interview a new guest each week who will share their burnout stories with all the gory details. Every episode will give you immediate action steps that you can take right now if you're feeling fried and crispy around the edges. Fried's main goals are to raise burnout awareness, kill the associated shame, and create a movement to end burnout culture. Hello, Fried fans. I am so excited because today I'm bringing on a guest who I have been on her podcast in the past, and we had such a fun convo that I'm excited to flip the tables today and be on the other side and give you a chance to listen to a little bit of what she's doing. Today, we're talking to Erin Wiseman, DO, who is a life coach, podcaster, and fierce wellness advocate who helps inspire female physicians and working moms to do the work they love and absolutely love life. Her work in the world is to openly tell how she faced professional burnout, you know I love that, early in her family medicine career so that no one feels alone. All knowing that change is possible because if she can do it, so can I, and that you can have a joyful and sustainable career. She lives and practices life coaching and medicine in rural southwestern Indiana, loves her roles as farmer's wife, athlete, and mother of three. Besides being sassy, she enjoys getting mud on her shoes, teaching her children to catch tadpoles, and reading a great fantasy novel. So if you guys don't already realize how much I love Erin just because of that intro, uh, yeah, you've got one right there. <laughs> I love that. She just showed us a fantasy novel for everybody that's only on audio today. Erin, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm, I'm so excited to chat with you again, even though it's been almost a year since our first chat. I know, a whole year since we like found each other on the wonderful world of Instagram. Isn't it wild? Totally. It wild? I love it though. I love it I though. Do I do too. And it was right in the beginning when I started talking about Fried and I started trying to find other people who were doing stuff on burnout and we, we just crossed paths and it was awesome. So you are here to share your burnout story. Let's have it. Yeah. So, I mean, in a nutshell, 2014, worst fucking year of my life. <laughs> like, that's, that's the way to put it. I um, was getting through my family medicine graduate medical education, so my residency training. Um, I had had two babies during that time, so I was two months behind. So you do the math to that. And getting out into the world and what was supposed to be, like, my mountaintop moment, I had got through medical school, got through residency, done all the things, felt like the deepest, darkest canyon. And then I found the basement. Mm. And everyone around me was like, what do you mean? Like, you just got your big girl job and, you know, you get to go to your office and you got the house and the kids and the, all the things. And all I could think was, what is wrong with me? Mm. I, what is wrong? Am I broken? Like, how did I, how did I just make the most huge mistake of my life? Mm -hmm. Because I am not fulfilled. I am not happy. And so I got on the phone. I was like DMing my best friends from medical school, talking to like my residency buddies who I'd graduated with. Hell, I even got a hold of my new boss that I just started this new job with to talk with them about like, 
something's going on and I don't know what it is. And I got back from my medical colleagues. Yeah, me too. I got back from my boss like, well, just give it time. Mm. And I got back from my office manager. Well, maybe you need to start yourself on like some Zoloft or an antidepressant or something. And I, again, thank God that I had enough like intuition within myself that I was like, I don't think I'm depressed. Like I'm upset about things and I'm anxious and I'm having like all the symptoms, but I don't think that's at the root, but I didn't know what. And so I did what I tell all my patients not to do. I got on the internet and I started like (laughs) clicking around trying to figure out like, did I Google? Yes. Yes. And what I found is there were so many other people talking about these feelings, but there wasn't really much happening besides like if you left medicine. So three months into my medical career, I was looking for an out. I literally applied to a Toyota manufacturing plant. I applied to be a marketing executive at a furniture company. I was even looking at the girls in the checkout line at the grocery store being like, how much you get paid because I know what I need and we'll figure it out. And it wasn't until I, I got into a space where people were having really hard conversations about what it was like to be a doctor and like really telling these stories that I realized like, okay, now I'm finally into a place where I'm at. And I found a woman, she was out in California. She was a family medicine doctor too. And she was talking about becoming an entrepreneur as a physician. And I was like, maybe that's it. Maybe that, maybe I just picked the wrong job and I need to figure out something else. So it was the first time I'd ever bought anything like online. And so I bought this online course and I started doing it. And as you can tell, I'm a little sassy, a little lippy. And within the first couple modules, I was like, I need to talk to her. So got on the phone, did something called a discovery call, had no idea what that was. I didn't even care. I just wanted to talk to her. And that was my first exposure to life coaching. Mm -hmm. And from that first call, even sitting here with you today, I can still feel that like rush of emotions from being heard by someone who understood. Amen. Yes. And so I was sold at that point. I was like, hashtag take my money. Like, I don't care what you give in. Like, I want some of this. I don't care what it is. And that's where I started being coached. And through that, through that, like unpacking of all the internal bullshit, which was becoming out as external bullshit. And then it was getting all confabulated and weird and changed. And then all these social norming and everything. I was able to sit with her in a safe space and unpack it all and see it for what it was and then decide what I was going to take with me forward and what I was Mm going to work on giving up. And that's when I realized at that point, when I sat down with her, I was like, where are all the young doctor mom coaches? Where are they? And I didn't see any. And so I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And so went through coaches training, started my business in 2015. I mean, I had a quick turnaround time at that point. Still practicing medicine. I'm going to put that in there. Like, I didn't quit at that point. And that's when I realized, like, oh, I was put on this earth to help heal people, maybe just not in the traditional medicine sense. Right. And since then, it has been an amazing journey from burnt out to getting back into my badassery. I love that. I love that. And, and I love this story so much. And I knew the basics of your story because I've listened to your podcast before. Um, and I've, I read everything that you write on LinkedIn. Like I'm a total fangirl. I mean, on Instagram, I'm a total fangirl. So 
this is, uh, so I knew most of your story anyway, but it's important to me because this sort of matched part, the, the peak where you thought you were supposed to be at the peak and then you ended up in the canyon and in the basement. That was the same thing that happened to me. But it was, for me, it was four or five years into my acupuncture practice. And I was on top of the world. I was making all the money, seeing all the patients. I had a three-month waiting list. I was on TV. I, I mean, I was the go-to. I had people taking trains for four and a half hours to have an acupuncture treatment just to turn around and take a train back four and a half hours. People were taking an entire day off a week to come see me for an acupuncture treatment. It was incredible. And I was miserable. I got to the part where you tick off all the boxes. I have all the things you're supposed to have. I did all the things you're supposed to do. And what now? And at that time, I was already a life coach. Mm. I was already a coach, but I was really young. I was 28. And I didn't realize that the knowledge I had in my head also needed to live in my body and in my life. Mm -hmm. I got stuck being like, I know these things. I know these things. Right. But I got stuck in that. So when you talk about the moment that you, somebody finally created space for you, I love that moment with new clients, like that first, you know, that, that, that initial discovery call that you're talking about that we both do, that we both offer. I love that moment when you just see somebody's shoulders, like, holy shit, somebody believes me. Mm -hmm. It's so massively important, but I had to do that for myself. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And you, and you have to come to a point, not just of the awareness, like something's wrong, but the acceptance of like, oh, I can get help for this. Yeah, I have I to can do something. To this. Yes, yeah. I can be vulnerable. I no longer have to just say, because, you know, I work with doctors and professional moms. And so many times it, you know, lunch turns into bitch sessions about like how bad the office is, what's going on with the kids, husband's not helpful. Like that people are in that state of awareness. Like they know things are wrong, yeah. but you're right. That next crucial step is like, so what am I going to do about it? Right. Right. And so you made that decision by buying an online course and then being like, I love everything this woman says, right? Which, mm -hmm. which is sort of what we both hope to do with our online businesses, right? You hear us on a podcast, you're like, I love them. Hire me, please. We love it. Yeah. That's our favorite thing. So when you started unpacking stuff, you used the word unpacking and I liked it because it, I think that that's exactly what it feels like what did you find in there? Oh my gosh. So my unpacking is a proverbial basement closet where you just keep shoving the shit and the boxes and like the random things that you don't want out for everybody to see into. And mine were almost, you know, those deep dark things that, that, you know, it's like your, your period underwear that, you know, you have to have, but you don't want anybody's like, like those things in your life, you know, you had a backstory, but you don't want anybody to know about it. Or as a physician, it was the feelings mm. like I'm supposed to be a superhero, non feeling robot that shows up and takes care of the world. And I didn't know how to I didn't know what to do with those feelings. So I just kept shoving them in the closet. Right. And they went from these little like bite size, like kind of cute little monsters that were in there 
to eventually they kept trying to get out and they kept getting bigger and growing and growing. And it was before that call with my first coach that those monsters were coming out at the most inopportune times Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what to do with them. Now I understand like that some of that's trauma response. Some of that is undealt with feelings. That was what was happening. But for a quote unquote professional, a physician who is supposed to have her shit all together and is going to her car at lunchtime to ball, I felt like a complete and other failure. So part of my coaching experience was honestly at the very beginning, just starting to say the words and like naming things that I didn't even, I couldn't even at the time assign a title to, but I just knew I didn't want it and I shoved it away. So my coaching started very, very elementary. I mean, my clients who come to me now, they are so much far advanced from where I started on my journey. I didn't even know. I knew I was either numb or angry. I, at that point, I couldn't really even feel like true joy. Um, it was just either like nothing or like huge. And yeah. so it was really interesting to sit and unpack that with my coach. And, and you know, coaching, we don't really dig around in the past, but it does sometimes come up. Yeah. And for me, we did. We had to go there and yeah. to like, and I remember one question that she asked me pretty early on was, what if it was taken for you would be absolutely devastating in your life? And remember, husband, two kids, you know, like a good life at that point. You know what I said? What? My medical license. Yeah. And I yeah. think about that answer now. And I mean, I know why I said it. Because I had built my entire identity around that. I was Aaron Wiseman Dio. I was Dr. Wiseman. That was who I was. And if someone pulled that away from me, the whole deck of card house would fall down. And I also, that was so important to me at the time because I was so scared with the amount of loan debt that I had. That if that was taken away, how would I ever pay back Mm -hmm. six, multiple six figures of debt? Yeah. And so I understand that woman now and I can sit with her now six years later and understand like where she was. But when that answer flew out of my mouth during the coaching session, I wanted to vomit and like shove it right back in. Yeah. But that's the magic of coaching. Like once it's out, once it's named, you and your coach can like dig through it. I tell my clients all the time word vomit. I'm like, we're going to take some word vomit and then I'm going to give you a good dose of Zofran after that. And you're going to feel a whole lot better, but we just need to get it out right now to know what is, what is really happening. So like just that was part of my unpacking process was just like really naming things and really speaking things out into the world into another person. Yeah. Because guess what? We all have a lot of conversations and very few of them happen with other people. They're those ones that are rolling, rolling, rolling in our head. True. And so that was really, really important. And what I noticed when I started coaching, I would have a coaching call with my, my coach. She wouldn't give me the homework to go talk to my husband about it, but I was almost like it had like kind of like an egg, like cracked it so that then I could maybe open it up a little bit more. And, And then a little bit more and a little bit more. And, and through some of the exercise she gave me and through my own self-exploration, I realized I, to keep things going, I had walled myself in so tight. I had put myself in my own prison. Yeah. Yeah. To me, this is like the, 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 the thing that you're describing in, 
for me is like you put on blinders so that you can just move forward and keep on keeping on. And you talk to a coach and they ask a question and like you get a hole in one of the blinders and you're like, Oh shit, there's a world out there, mm-hmm. you know? And then, and then you get another hole and then the front of one breaks and you're like, Oh, Oh, okay. I can see things. And you start to get curious about what else is out there. What am mm-hmm. I missing? Because I'm stuck here. What would happen if I allowed myself to do this thing? So <clears throat> the question that's coming up for me right now is for in my coaching clients, most of the time, I'm not looking for radical change in their lives. If it needs to happen, we can get there totally. But most of the time, it's about adjusting as much as we can within what exists right now in order to then be able to make smarter decisions moving forward. But sometimes those radical changes pop up. So when you start working with, uh, you know, a physician who is also a mother and is totally overwhelmed and burnt out, do you see more commonly that people are looking for a big change or do you see more commonly that people are looking for a better way of doing what they're doing now? I think so many times people come to me and they don't even know what they want, but they're like, I want what you got, whatever that is like that spunk, that spark, that joy, that fulfillment. I want what you've got. And so that's where I have to back up and be like, well, what does that look like for you? Right. And so the people that come to me, some folks are already like, yes, peace out, MF, or like, I don't want this anymore. I need you to help me figure out how to change my life. Right. And for those folks, I pump the brakes and I'm like, listen, you're not quitting your job tomorrow. Right. You're not quitting your job in a month. Like yes. we need to like work through some things. I'm not saying you're not going to quit your job. You, If you're going to do it, you're going to do it. But let's make sure how much of this is running away from something and running towards something. Give me the split. Is it 2080? Is it 5050? I don't care what it is. There's no right answer. But let's just get really clear about where we are. Before you move that. Yeah. Before, yeah. In your reality. Yeah. What are the stories that you're telling yourselves? And are those the, the, the stories that are in reality happening? Right. Because we all have that. We all That's make those stories in our heads with that. I have so a that full chapter in the book about that. <laughs> yeah. First person that comes, like, they're already changing. The next personality that comes to me that they are just so miserable that in their inner girl inside of them, she's just in the fetal position laying on the floor yeah, and like throwing cat food out so that like things stay alive. Yeah. And so with those people, that's where I am just, I really emphasize like what is weighing you down? What is oppressing you so much that your spirit feels broken because I really emphasize to people, you are not broken. You are not the problem. And really getting into like your truest self, this is not a character flaw. I really believe that. I think that's a great part of an, a tenant of coaching that we are not there to fix people because you are not broken. Right. And But understanding what are what's going on around you. What are the thoughts that are going in your head? What have you allowed into your life? that is hurting you. And so for those people, that's really where I come in and really love up on them, really emphasize, I call it restorative care, not just rest, like actually replenishment. And then when they get to a place where they're like, oh my God, I'm a person again, I'm not just a bump on a log, then asking the question of like, well, what do you want? And what's the next best step here? Not evidently, 
you know, maybe it is uprooting your life and changing it. But like where you're at now, what is what do you want moving forward? And then I would say the third personality of woman that comes to me is she knows things aren't right. She's willing to make a change, but she's kind of paralyzed in analysis paralysis. Mm. And so then that kind of woman I look at and say, all right, like, you know, you need changes. Um, You don't know what those changes are. Like, let's go on some fact finding journey and just like say, what if? What if you wanted to explore telemedicine? I got some people you can talk to. What if you want to work from home? What if you want to take a six month sabbatical? Let's give yourself permission to just say what if. Yeah, to explore. Yeah, this is a big one for me too. This is a big, mm-hmm. big, big one for me. People that stop saying, stop looking at possibility and they make a lot of excuses around them. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't do that because I can't do this because I can't do that because, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, listen, I'm 38 years old. I have lived in four countries. I have learned two languages besides English, two languages besides English fluently. I have opened businesses in foreign countries. I moved to California when I was 19 to do a master's degree out of nowhere. I went to Argentina by my, like, you can do things. I'm not Mm -hmm. stronger than you. Like I'm not in any way. I might be a little different personality than you. Yeah, maybe. But like, no, you can't tell me that things are not possible because... So let me ask you this. When you're, you're, coach- or when you're coaching, do you say those things to your client or are you like the quiet, like hold it in? Oh, no, I don't hold things in ever. <laughs> no, I, that's not true. I do hold- that's how I coach too. Because like if somebody's like, oh, I can't do that. And I always look at them and I'm like... Are you sure? What? Yeah. Is that true? That's my question is like, is that true? Mm-hmm. Right? Because is that really most true? of the time now, I know enough people that I'm like, oh, yeah, I know somebody who I does that. I have an that. example of that. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. The, it's the whole four-minute mile phenomenon. Yes. You know, for so long, said women, uh, people could not run a four-minute mile. And then somebody did it. And, and then, then 12, 12 people, people did it. Uh, yes. Afterwards. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what I think. And, and I think that's kind of the magic of coaching as well is like, and, and everybody has to find like their flavor of coach. Don't of get me course. wrong. There's some people, if, if they coach with me, like it wouldn't be a good situation. But for my people, when they come to me, they know that I'm going to be that shoulder to cry on, but I'm also yes. going to be that smack on the ass too. And like, are you sure? Are yeah. you sure about that? Because mm, I think that you're, you're getting in your head a little bit. Yeah. For instance, I had a gal I was coaching with the other week and um, I said this exact thing. She was kind of going on like, oh, I need to do this. And I know how to lose weight because I've done it in the past. And like, I know, da, 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 da. I just need to do it. And and I just sat back and I looked at her and I said, tell me if this, what, how this resonates with you. You are not the problem. And she almost couldn't like sit with that because then that would shake up all of her shit of her reality that she was the problem. And so that's where I love coaching, like where we come in from behind and kind of like do a gotcha. Just yes, to say. That's my favorite part too. <laughs> I just, one of the, um, I have like advanced readers by the time, actually, when this episode comes out, the book will be, my book will be available as of tomorrow. So this is a, a, Hell good, yeah. a, yeah, hey, a good segue, but one of the advanced readers was uh, sent me a private message at one point and she was like, I won't put this in my review, but how I feel about your book is it's like a slap to the face and a hug to the heart at the same time. 
And I was like, you can totally put that in your review because that's who, that's who I am. And that, like you're saying, it's not perfect for everybody, but I promise you that I will not lie to you. I promise you that I will not protect you because I don't think you can handle things. I promise you that I will be there 110% when we're talking. I'm going to be right there and I'll hug you at the end for sure. But if you're avoiding some shit, I'm going to tell you about it. This feels like a really great time to share with you that the bounce back ability factor will be out as of tomorrow. So by the time you're listening to this, it is probably already out. The feedback that I'm getting from this book is that it it is making people feel seen, heard, and validated and giving them enough tools to feel confident that they can find their way through burnout. Up until September 20th, you can order either the Kindle or the paperback version at a super discounted rate and I don't want you to miss out on it. So I want you to go head over there as soon as possible to buy it. You go to amazon.com and you type in the bounce back ability factor and it will definitely pop up. During the pre-order season, we had some amazing results and hit the top of a couple of charts. So I'm hoping to keep that going as we continue into the actual live sales of the book. I know that this book can be life-changing, and if you feel like you've been listening to the podcast and you want a little bit more instruction, this is the easiest and cheapest and most fun way to get it. So head to Amazon right now, type in the Bounce Back Ability Factor, and order or pre-order your copy ASAP. Okay, love you, bye. Yeah, we're going to get a little messy and be like, so what's up with that? Yeah, I'm going to tell you about it. And this is who I've been my whole life. So when I realized that I could coach people and that that was like a thing, I was like, oh, this is fun. Because uh, I sort of thought about going down the psychology, psychiatry route at some point. Um, But I realized that there's too many rules in those conversations for me. Mm. See, I'm the opposite. I hid that part of me because that's not what a good doctor does. Yeah, I I never could. I lost my (laughs) funk for about, I don't know, a good eight years, I would say. Wow. Because, uh, well, that's not, that's not how you should show up. And I was just talking to a friend about this. Like, I, I think I was pretty much like myself through college, but it really was when I entered into like a graduate professional degree that I started really feeling those social norms of like, well, this is what a good fill in the blank looks like. Right. She doesn't say fuck. She yeah. doesn't wear crazy pink shirts. You know, she wears the black pants with the black shoes and the button down shirt when she goes to the office. Yeah. And she doesn't tell people what she really thinks because, you know, that's not being nice or kind. Yeah. And I think it was part of it too was that like hidden curriculum, at least that I experienced in medicine of like, be cute, but not too cute because then you're a whore and then the attendings look at you and be smart, but not too smart because then people think you're a know-it-all. And be firm with patients, but not too firm, because then they're going to complain about you on their patient surveys, and that's going to hurt your pay, Dr. Wiseman. Yeah. And so 
For me, it was actually part of my. Let me just turn beige. I'll just go neutral. And still, and still, still changing, like still working through a lot of that is who am I? Like, yeah. you know, getting back into that. Yeah. And then being empowered to say that so much of my professional, early professional career was I was a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. And getting okay with being a square peg instead of trying to like sand my edges off. Right. And that's really, I think what my superpower is in the coaching space is just to show up. For instance, like with my new course, burnt out to badass. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people are like, are you kidding me? I can get CME continuing medical education credits for for a course that certifies me as a badass at the end. And I'm like, Oh yes, you can. Yes, you can. And I want to empower others listening. Like I felt like the things that people felt found wrong with me were what I needed to change. But now what I've learned is the things that, that stand out about me that people say, I mean, I don't, I can't tell you how many times I was told as a little girl that I was too sassy. That's the shit people pay me for now. Right. And if we would all lean into can that, we like high five on this, can we high five on this? Yes. <laughs> and that's what I guess my biggest message is right now is like that part of that burnout for me was that like beijing out yeah. was that conforming and, and then getting to the end and being like, what has this turned into? Cause I don't want this. Right. Exactly. For me, this was a big part of not my profession as a whole, because as an acupuncturist, you have a lot more leeway and there is a huge component of creating proper space for your patients, which means being who you are so, so that you can allow them to do the, to do the same. Because um, fulfilling your destiny or your Ming in Chinese medicine is part of healing. So I didn't have that part of it because of course there are rules and people like there are some people that wear only scrubs and the white lab coats and all of that. And there, there are some rules to it, but there is an idea that you need to be able to create space for a patient to be themselves. And you can't do that unless you are yourself. So that was definitely part of my schooling. But when I first opened my acupuncture practice, I was living in Poland and Poland is very formal. So I was in an, I was working in a fertility center. I was the first acupuncturist in the country to do it. It was me and 16 doctors and a lot of nurses. So I'm like the freak on the wall, you know? And I remember you telling me about this. Yeah, I was a freak on the wall for sure at that point. And then at the same time, like these people had been working together for 20 years and they were still on like Mr. and Mrs. with each other. It's pan pani in Polish, but like you say like pani doktor, you say like Mrs. doctor to someone. And they'd been working together for like 20 years. And I'm like, how do you not call that person Hannah? Like, that's her name. And they, they, but they can't cross those barriers. So for me, being in a culture that was so formal was like soul crushing to me because I am just not formal. I'm not a formal person. I'm never going to be. I don't give a fuck what fork you use. Like, I, it's, don't care. So this was the same for me. Like I was a, you know, a square peg trying to be welded down into a, into a hole, but not because of my profession. It was because of where I lived at the time. Mm. And now I'm in New York city and you can be anything in New York city. You know, (laughs) I'm an acupuncturist in New York city. You can literally be quite literally be anything and anyone. I walked from my office 
My office is on 32nd Street, so it's a straight walk to Penn Station for when I need to get back to Jersey after after my day at work. And I walked just the three blocks from Penn Station to my office, and I heard one guy carrying a boombox blaring our old R&B. It was amazing. And then I heard a woman, she was walking with her walker, like singing jazz. <laughs> just, and it, this was in three blocks. I saw like three people singing and I was like, I love this city. <laughs> Thank you. Like, let your freak flag fly, please. Mm-hmm. It's so important. So when you are working with people now, do you feel like allowing them to reclaim parts of themselves that they've hidden in order to like be the professional version of whatever is part of your job. percent. You know, and what breaks my heart is on those initial conversations as how many people say, I don't know who I am. I don't even know what my hobbies are. Yeah. I don't do anything to have fun. Yeah. I don't know what it is to be me without the labels. And it does. It breaks my heart because one, it reminds me that I was there too, but also that we have become a society that in order to quote unquote succeed, we have to be less than. So I'm as women. I was to say, I'm a huge feminist. And so you will hear this coming out in me that, you know, patriarchal society that has been generations, centuries of women being less than that. I mean, look at the gender pay equality in that, that we still get paid less for the same work. Yeah. I got reminded this past week on LinkedIn, I had a good friend that she wrote a post about this woman who had got up and spoke about, you know, her experience as a physician and was trying to give tangible takeaways to an organization. And at the end during the Q and a one of a, an older white male stood up and said, Dr. Such and such, don't you think that your maternal instincts led to your burnout because you were supposed to be uh, in the home rather than working? And I read that story. Here's the funny thing. As I was reading it, I was like, this person is just like me. And she gets in. It was me. It was my fucking story when (laughs) she was there in the audience. And I remembered that I had totally like blocked that memory from several years. And, and so that's one thing that I am really pushing as well is like, again, it is not you. You are not the problem. You are simply trying to be the square peg. And so in a society that does not allow for square pegs. Yeah. And in my boldness, in my brashness, um, in my nonconformity, I hope to be that example for women as well. Yeah. And, And so that's a lot of part of my work as well is saying, fuck that. Yeah. If you want to work a certain way, work a certain way. If you want to raise your children a certain way, raise them a certain way. If this is truly what is in you, then let's go there. Yeah. And it just hurts me because we have to start on the total opposite side of that. Right. Right. Because, yeah. you know, the measure of a woman, like, yeah. in a uh, Judeo-Christian type situation, I should say Christian, not Judeo, in a Christian situation is the ideal mother woman is totally selfless. Oh, Judeo too. Why do I have to lose myself to be a mother to do that? Yeah. And so 
that's where um, I'm still learning. I'm still pushing that edge. And luckily, God, I don't know how I found my partner in life. He is amazing, though, and been through me through this with me on this entire journey Ditto. and saw that, I think, before I even saw that. And now when I'm like, hey, I'm going I'm not now with COVID, but I'm going out of the country. Or I'm going out of the state like you got the kids. And he's like, yeah, I got them. And, yeah, we're good. you know, that was part of my reckoning, too, is like. My motherhood is mine and it's going to look different than maybe what cultural says is normal. Yeah. But guess what? I partnered with a man who his fatherhood also looks different than what is quote unquote culturally normal. Yeah. And that's okay. It yeah. works. Yeah. And you, so you mentioned that you're a big feminist and to me, this brings up a whole nother layer. And I realize you guys that we are two white women talking about this right now, but I do think it is important to say if as white women that we feel this consistent like rule that put us in a certain place that the black women that are here with us have everything that we have and then a whole nother layer plus, right? Because they, In yeah. three. Yeah. More. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Because the things that they have to put up with are more. When If we were told that we just need to conform, they were told they needed to disappear and not be seen. Mm-hmm. Right. So the burdens that they're carrying are, are even heavier. Absolutely. And especially I think when they're very high, like when, when you have a black female doctor mm-hmm. and everybody assumes she's the nurse. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so frustrating. And then on top of that, you have Yentl syndrome. So they're going in to see their doctors when they need help. And the doctors are saying, nah, you're fine. You're a black woman. It must be stress. It's like, so demeaning and so frustrating. So I, I think the exact same thing. So um, being from rural Midwestern U.S., you know, extremely white. Yeah. Going to medical school, and some of my best friends now are very are from multicultural uh, families. Even not being a primary English speaker, having yeah. an accent, now working with organizations and talking with women, and 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 you know one of the huge things that I'm battling with right now is when women of color speak up and if they're not a primary English speaker, if English is their second language, there's now, I mean, I see it, but I think there's some more research coming out that their claims for burnout as a physician are being more dismissed because of the accent, because of, because of the perceived barrier of like, Oh, you don't know. You don't know how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. To all the women of color that might be listening to us right now, we hear you, we see you, we believe you. We hear you, we see you, we believe you. That is really, really important. And I do hope, I have been working with quite a few women of color burnout coaches over the past year or so. And so I do have recommendations in case you are burnt out and you would rather work with somebody who understands your experience from an experiential point of view. So please do not hesitate to reach out if you feel like you need some support because I do have suggestions for you, multiple different suggestions. So it's not, you know, there's not just one person that I'm like, oh, she's black, you can go see her. No, there's plenty of people out there that are actually existing to help through this process right now. So I wanted to throw that in there because I don't feel like we can talk about feminism anymore without talking about that, without mentioning that. I think that it's like so, 
so massively important. Because it's not, it's, you're right, it's not just a feminine equality issue. It is a human equality. Mm-hmm. Issue. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, and one caveat I want to throw in there, Caitlin, too, is for the same reason that I saw, like, I'm going to only be able to serve a certain population to yeah. the best of their ability. I created a second organization called the Physician Coaching Alliance. Mm-hmm. And that's where I saw a lot of lone wolf coaches out in the world but nothing really bringing us together in the space that I want it. I don't want it to be under an organization. I don't want it to be under a hospital system. I want it to be truly a community and alliance. And um, we're at 50 strong now. Referral source as well. So um, not only are a majority of the members physicians, but they coach on a range of topics, be it parenting, be it, health and wellness, be it sex coaching, be it burnout coaching. Like, and I think that is so important too. I'm a family medicine doctor by training. So I love a good referral network. Let me tell you, I use my specialist of the week. And so that was what I saw saw and the need in the market was for people to be able to go to a place and and say, you look like me, you sound like me, you understand me. Yeah, and yeah. and if I can be the vehicle, if I can be the connector for those two people, so be it. Yeah. So we do, you guys, all of that information will be in the show notes. Do not worry about it. I'm going to put up everywhere that you can find Erin, all the places, especially Instagram, because she's so fun on there. Um, so that's all going to be in the show notes. So don't worry about missing out on that because you won't. Erin, I feel like we were created for each other. <laughs> Well, it's that shared collective experience, you know, it is, isn't it? that you, I think that's the important thing too, is to know, like, to be able to look at someone and, and see yourself and they can see their self in it. And then, you know, you have that bond, no matter how far away over zoom we're talking. Yeah, exactly. So why don't you tell everybody about the, first of all, your podcast and then the burnout to badass course. And so that everybody can figure out if they need you, this is how they can find you. And this is how they can work with you. Yeah. So my podcast is doctor me first, because that was my message. When I started, I wanted to be like, who's going to doctor me? Cause I'm doctoring everybody else. So that's what I became. And it's really cool, great conversations with other female physicians um, talking about these issues because I think it also is focus for physicians and professionals in healthcare. But again, like it's that coming to that place of knowing that like, Oh, it's like that for you too. I think it's so important for people to listen yeah. in and it's fun and it's spicy and, um, you get all sorts of good stuff out of it. But yeah, come over to doctor me first, the Patreon group, which is where actually Caitlin will be hanging out in, in her episodes is where I release conversations with non-docs with men, with anybody else who comes and talks with me, because again, I am all about that inclusion and I want to keep having these type of conversations Um, And I wanted to give them to the people who really want them as well. So head on over to patreon.com backslash Dr. Me first, and you can get a whole bunch of other Patreon exclusive episodes. The course, Burnt Out to Badass. So I've been coaching officially for five years now. And I was kind of coming to the point where like I was saying the messages and like seeing the trends and like really coming into a place of like, this is how I do this work. And I was like, I need to somehow package that. And this was 2019 where this all started. 
And I really pushed against an online course because I really love in-person coaching. I think there is a certain energy and magic with it that that is just so wonderful. But I thought I've I've got to get this out into the world in a bigger and better way. So what is going to be the next best step? You know, still coaching myself through it all. And um, and yeah, so that's what it is. So it is like the top 11 things that I do with every single person packaged up in this course for those who are like, yeah, I just, I, I want to go beyond a book. So there are videos in it. You get an amazing journal that goes along with it. That's guided all the way through. Um, there's Q and a live sessions that are embedded into the course. So you may not be talking to me over the phone or through zoom, but you're still talking to me. And that was a really important piece for me. And if you're in healthcare, I got it CME accredited. I went through the American Academy of Family Physicians. They said, all right, yeah, we'll we'll bet on you, Wiseman. And I have CME credits with it. So as a physician, you know, we got to get somewhere between 25 and 50 of those to keep our maintenance of certification. Nurses need it. Nurse practitioners, PAs, pharmacists, they all need those credits as well. And I was like, let's take down some barriers. No more excuses about how you can't spend your money on this because this is an employment benefit. And why not get some of the best CME that is out there for your own wellness? So that's been a really cool thing that I'm really excited about. I think I'm maybe one of the first in the arena to do it like this. I mean, I know there's other CME courses about wellness, but you're not going to get the Aaron Wiseman says like you're going to get in this. (laughs) That link is just a bit.ly link bit.ly backslash burnt out to badass. Type it in. Come hang out with me. I'd be more than happy to to talk through it. And yeah, I, I really think like I've kind of gotten to a place where as I'm helping other women embrace their badass, like I'm there. It's so cool to be five years into it and to be like, yeah, like I have traveled that journey. So you'll keep seeing um, more new branding that's going to come out. I'm really excited to roll out um, a new website. I don't think I'm going to change my name of my podcast. I'm pretty, I'm pretty into oh, that one. But um, but you're going to see a lot more. And actually, um, the first book was Doctor Me First. So guess what? The second book is going to be burnt out to badass. We're going to just keep rolling on it. And awesome. I did to keep doing that. So I would just invite anyone who just want to have a conversation because guess what? Doctors are people, too. And I bet you are feeling where you're at in life like someone else is fat. And also telling other physicians like, it's okay to have feels. You are a person too. You're not broken. So let's work through this and get you to your badass self. Yeah. And emotions are not dangerous. <laughs> They're just emotions. It's okay. I, was, I had a, um, a clinical psychologist in my advanced reader group. And I said on one of the videos that I did for them, I said, you know, emotions are safe. And she wrote underneath it, wow, emotions are safe. Like they don't teach us that at school. Oh my. Yeah. We're talking, Clint, we're talking a doctorate degree in psychology, having an aha moment about emotions being safe. Well, doesn't it just lean to like, we can always learn something from someone. Uh, Yeah, always, always. Mm -hmm. I learn things from people. I learn things from every single patient I have and every single client I have every single damn day. Mm -hmm. It's the best. 
Erin, thank you so much for coming on. You're amazing. I love you. I'm so glad you were here. I love your energy. Yes, all the love, all the love. Um, and Fried fans, thank you so much for being with with us again this week. All of the links and all of the fun things that Erin does, you will find in the show notes. And please remember that tomorrow, September 14th, my book, The Bounce Back Ability Factor and Burnout, Gain Resilience and Change the World, goes live. Dun, dun, dun. And... Amazon has this crazy thing where if you buy all the books on, within the first few days of buying them, you have a really good shot of being on a bestseller list. So I don't want you to wait. First, because I really want you to have this book because I think it can actually change your world. Second, because I want to be on some bestseller list. So buy the damn book. <laughs> and that is all we have for today. I will talk to you next week. And until then, have a good one. Thank you.